It is commonly thought that physician fatigue from long work hours results in decreased physician well-being, more medical errors, and compromised patient safety. Shorter duty hours are designed to address these concerns. But do they really do that? I'm Dr. Kirsten Patrick, Deputy Editor for CMAJ, and joining me today is Dr. Christopher Parsharam, Critical Care Specialist at the Hospital for Sick Children and lead author of a randomized study that examined patient safety, resident well-being and continuity of care in three different resident duty schedules in the ICU. Hello, Dr. Parsharam. Good day and hello to you. It's a pleasure to be here. Dr. Parsharam, why did you and your colleagues want to do this trial? Well, the way doctors work is it's a fundamental part of the healthcare system. Doctors provide the, make the decisions and provide uh, many of the actions that lead to the therapies that patients in hospitals receive. So the performance of doctors is a core aspect of the functioning of the healthcare system. And a lot of very powerful anecdotes about the, the tired resident at 4am and leading on to the presumption that we need to reduce the period of uh, work of the resident doctors in order to reduce fatigue-related errors to improve patient safety and thus patient outcomes. So as, as clinicians, we recognized this was important. As scientists, we, we realized that patients with major events overnight do worse than those who have events in daytime hours. And we also wanted to move past the very powerful but popular anecdotes to provide high quality evidence uh, of relevance to the Canadian system uh, that could guide decision making about resident duty hours. It's always a great initiative to do a randomized trial to produce good data. And you evaluated the impact of three different resident schedules on patient safety, uh, resident well-being and continuity of care. So why did you choose the primary outcomes that you chose, which were adverse events and resident sleepiness? Well, harm as a result of health care is, is a key patient safety concern. We recognized this in our earlier study published in CMAJ, the Canadian Adverse Events Study, as an important outcome. Others recognized this. We chose the patient safety outcome because it's uh, adverse events and preventable adverse events uh, because we and others recognized they were key markers of the functioning of the healthcare system. The harmful errors or preventable adverse events are perhaps the most important patient safety outcome. These are events that could have been prevented if the currently available best practices were applied. The resident outcome, we used the Stanford Sleepiness Scale. This is a validated and widely accepted seven-point scale that measures sleepiness and can be applied repeatedly throughout the day which is how we used it. Every four hours, the residents provided assessments of their sleepiness on four randomly selected days. And so we ended up with a, over 1,700 measurements on which we based the results of our study. There were a number of secondary outcomes, and I'll focus on the symptoms, the resident symptoms. And we asked about 14 symptoms and their severities in order to compare the different schedules. All of these outcomes have been used by us previously and uh, have been used, uh, recognized by others as both valid and having face validity and relevance to this topic. So that shows the rigor of your study. You've been looking at well-validated outcomes that 
are important and you're looking at different levels of the same question from different perspectives. And what did you find? So beginning with the resident uh, sleepiness outcomes, we found perhaps unsurprisingly that residents were most sleepy at four o'clock in the morning. (laughs) More importantly, in addition to validating the anecdotes describing tired doctors overnight, we found that the effective schedule was negligible. It did not affect how tired residents were at four in the morning. So that's interesting because you looked at a schedule that was 12 hours, which is a day, and you looked at schedules which were 24 hours, which is a day and a night, and were residents awake for the whole of that 24-hour period? So in the, in the paper presented, we don't describe how much sleep residents had. What we do know is that they reported being asleep on 28% of uh, the evaluated overnight periods. I think it's likely that 28% is a conservative number because there were, there's many other hours uh, that they could have uh, been asleep. So the schedule here, sleep may have explained some of the differences uh, or lack of differences between the schedule. But I think the key message is that the study results reflect the impact of time of day more than they do the impact of schedule on how sleepiness manifests in the residents studied. And was there an impact on patient well-being? So the the patient safety outcomes, uh, and I focus here on the harmful errors, preventable adverse events, first showed low rates of events. And I think this is an important observation. We do choose a very conservative approach, but the majority of events to our surprise and perhaps the greater surprise of others clustered in the the shortest schedule, the 12-hour overnight duty period. So suggesting that while there may not be differences in sleepiness for residents, that shorter duty periods are are associated with more preventable occurrences of harm. The, The other important secondary outcome that we evaluated was that of the resident symptoms. Uh, And what we found was that in the majority of assessments, symptoms were either mild or absent. However, when we looked at the severe symptoms, symptoms were both more severe and more frequent in the 24-hour schedule. So putting this all together, it would suggest that there's a trade-off between the well-being of residents and the safety of patients. Residents on the 12-hour schedule uh, and the 16-hour schedule had less symptoms, but the shorter schedules were associated with greater rates of preventable harm. So these are fascinating findings, but obviously not the last word, as you were only looking at um, residents in in an ICU setting. And given what we know so far about resident duty hours, what would you say the unanswered questions are? Well, I, I think one of the important things that we didn't study was resident education. And resident education is fundamentally important. It's it's a key reason that residents in training programs are in training programs. Uh, We were very concerned when we designed the study not to overburden the already tired residents. We just discussed that data. Uh, And so we didn't study education. Education is a, a patient safety issue in that we're training future doctors to be as good a doctors as they can be. 
if our schedules are affecting resident education, it then can also affect the quality of care and thus patient safety for future patients. So patient uh, safety through resident education was something that we didn't evaluate. I, I think this is going to be an important aspect of our future work. Many people are beginning to appreciate, but again, hasn't been well studied. I'm sure our readers will come up with anecdotes of their own. I have so many questions on reading this paper from my own resident days. I was also an ICU resident once. So, you know, and and, and all these questions uh, that haven't been answered about um, if residents in ICU are better at handover, say, for example, than residents elsewhere. The, uh, The question of the quality of handover and whether the handover may have mitigated some of the effects, I, I think, uh, remains remains unanswered in this paper. We did endeavour to look at uh, continuity in greater detail, but it's challenging to operationalise what is continuity of care uh, and what constitutes a good handover. Communication we, we observed in both ICUs and uh, was occurred in many, many domains between residents in the formal handover or handoff in the morning, uh, in the multidisciplinary or interprofessional ward round, as well as in informal venues, both between the staff physicians, their their fellows, and in multiple side conversations with the healthcare professionals working in the intensive care unit. The communication is a very important and potentially mitigating factor. The fact is that without any special interventions here, we found these these signals and uh, I think this highlights the potential risks of change for change's sake. Uh, this is a very, very important message of our study. If you are a resident and you know you are being studied, how does that influence your behaviour and could that have influenced your findings? I think one of the issues with studies of this and uh, this of this study and studies of this type is we're studying highly motivated healthcare professionals. And in the first instance, when we we attended every ward round for six months in these both ICUs that participated, so seven days a week, and initially it was apparent that the observed knew they were being observed. And then after a relatively short space of time, the presence of the study team members was simply a norm. So I think certainly there was an initial significant adjustment. Can I say that things went back to baseline in a short space of time? I don't know how close to baseline, but I think certainly things normalized very quickly. Residents also know that they're being studied and maybe uh, impose their, uh, their own preferences on their ratings, but my sense is that the residents that were there provided uh, very frank and uh, uh, accurate assessments of how they were uh, at the time that they were studied. The paper that is being published in the CMOJ also reflects on the anecdotes of some of the uh, the residents. They were very happy to tell us that they their least favourite was the 12-hour overnight schedule. They described being socially isolated and also isolated from the other members of the physician ICU team. So this, we think, is an important observation and has been borne out in subsequent studies where the 12-hour night float schedule 
was discontinued in one American study recently. It differs with the opinion stated by some of the Quebec resident associations, but I do think it's an important signal that we need to uh, bear in mind. Resident preference is an important uh, consideration, but I do think what we need to focus on is the educational and the patient safety outcomes. So, yeah, I think however care is provided, ICUs continue to need to provide high quality 24-7 care. And what we need to know is about the educational consequences for the trainees who are there and the, the consequences for patients. Thank you for spending this time with us today. My pleasure. That was Dr. Christopher Parcheron, Critical Care Specialist at Sick Kids. To read his research article on resident duty schedules, as well as a linked commentary and podcast with Dr. Thomas Moniatis, visit cmaj.ca.